This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, welcome everyone. Uh, thanks everybody for joining. This is our uh, first year in preparation of Chodesh Elul Habalena Lataiva. Before we begin, some important announcements. Um, this week is Parshas Re'eh. So I recently became familiar with a particular organization, and I'd just uh, like to speak about it very briefly. It's called Daily Giving, where um, one contributes a dollar a day, and uh, the contributions go basically to a group of about 50 different organizations um, across the whole spectrum, whether it's High Lifeline, Bone Olam, A Time, um, Avigdor's Helping Hand, and so on and so forth. And basically, they disperse... Uh, about now almost $7,000 a day. And over the course of the year, they disperse uh, uh, over $2 million. So I recently started participating myself, and I get a very big kick because, we you know, one is supposed to try to give tzedakah daily, and sometimes on Shabbos it's not really uh, possible. So I get an email every day, okay, your dollar went here, your dollar went there. And then the clincher is Matzah Shabbos, when you get the email, and here it is, you spent the whole day basically, you know... Tanugim, Barburim, Muslavadagim, and uh, you're able to contribute to tzedakah even on Shabbos. Okay, so if anybody wants to participate with that, go to dailygiving.org. Not .com, dailygiving.org. Okay, next important announcement is um, today's shir. Let's see. We have uh, the shirim on Sefer Devarim are sponsored by the Zakheim family, Leonishmas, Rav Shom Eliezer, Ben Rav Yaakov, Zakheim is Neshama Shavna Aliyah. But as we went to Shir, um, Dr. Zakheim's mother just passed away, uh, Rivka Basima, the Levaya is in the morning. So may this year be Le'ilay Nishmasa, Began Eden Nuchasa, and she should have a, a great Aliyah's Neshama. Uh, tonight's Shir is sponsored by Sroli Stegman, Zchus for Shlemer for Yechiel Michal Ben Sari Yehudas. Sponsored by Yedidi, Mr. and Mrs. Eli Sisma, in honor of uh, the Shir. And is sponsored anonymously for Rafur Shalema, for Nechama Bas Vital. Shav Rafur Shalema, Basar Shachal Yisrael. Bez Hashem, we're working very hard to get out uh, the upcoming Sefer on Sefer Bereshis in Lashon HaKodesh. Uh, the plan is, uh, first we're, we're going to have on the whole Sefer Bereshis, but it's becoming a little bit too big. So it's going to be, Be'ez Hashem, two volumes in Lashon HaKodesh, 42 or 43 chapters on the first half of Bereshis. If anybody would like to participate, that is still available. The Sefer on the Yom Naram from Art Scroll is available here at the Shir, and if you want to order it from the Art Scroll website, you can now order it for the next couple of days with free shipping. Put in the following promo code. Radio, R-A-D-I-O. Okay, you got all that information? Now we could start learning. Okay, so Parshas Re'eh and Chodesh Elul. The Gemara tells us a, a great principle. And that is, that there are certain targeted parshios that were orchestrated and designated to be read at specific times in the year. Now the Gemara only mentions two parshios that are scheduled at specific intervals. The Gemara in the end of Masech Megillah says that you should read the Toichecha of Bechukhaisai before Shavuos, and you should read the Toichecha of Kisavoy 
before Rosh Hashanah. Why? Tichla Shana V'kileisel. Let the year end with its curses. All the other parashiyos, free agent. You can, re- you can read them whenever you want to read them. However, the Shla HaKadosh in a number of places advances the following principle. Namely, Davar Be'itoy Matoiv. That every parsha is connected to a specific time of the year. In other words, the parashiyos that we read, Chanukah time, Miketz, Vayigash, they're connected to Chanukah. The parashas that we read, Purim time, are connected to Purim. Even though the Gemara doesn't tell us they're connected, and one would say, I don't know, maybe it's uh, random, it happened to fall out that way. No, we know that great things are never coincidental, and you know, the time that a parasha is read is connected to that particular time of the year. So I always think that what parasha do we read at the onset of Chodesh Elul? Re'e. Re'e is always read either on Shabbos Rosh Chodesh Elul or immediately prior to it, like immediately before it, like we have this year. We're going to read Parshas Re'e and then Rosh Chodesh is what? Sunday, Monday. Yeah? So there then must be some connection, important connection, between Parshas Re'e and the month of Elul, the month of Tshuva Haba Aleinu Letoiva. So we would like to... Um, we would like to investigate that as well. Okay, the, the Mishnah says in Masech Rosh Hashanah, four times a year, the world is judged. The world is judged on Pesach over the grain. The world is judged on Shavuos for the fruits. The fourth judgment is on Sukkot for the water. And the third judgment, says the Mishnah on Rosh Hashanah, all mankind passes before God, here are the two words we're going to focus on tonight, Kivnei Maron. What do Kivnei Maron mean? I don't know. Never heard of that. Doesn't say it anywhere in the Chumash. What, does, what do these words Kivnei Maron mean? Shenemar hayoitzer yachad libam hameven elkom asem. Everyone passes before God like Bnei Maron. What are Bnei Maron? So the Gemara Masech Rashan Daf Yerches asks that question. My Kivnei Maron, number two. And the Gemara brings two opinions. Opinion number one, Hacha Targimo. In Bavel, they explained it, Kivnei Imrana, like young sheep. What does it mean like young sheep? Any farmers here? Any soon-to-be wannabe farmers? I see most of you are somewhere in between soon-to-be and want-to-be. Okay, so if uh, farmers or shepherds, any, any sh- aspiring shepherds over here. So if you had sheep... And uh, you would put them in a corral, yeah? And when you want to open up the pen, so then the pen usually only allows one sheep to leave at a time. And you open up the corral, uh, the pen, and the sheep uh, go out one at a time, and the tenth sheep, you mark it for Meiser. So we pass before God like young sheep, who the corral is open, the pen is open, and they pass, they come out of the corral. The Gemara brings another opinion. Reish Kema'alois beis Maron. Rish Lakir said, like the ascent up to the house of Maron. What's that? Do you remember like 10 years ago? No, more. 15 years ago. If you'd want to go on vacation, I remember, you know, we would go on vacation. So we would go, uh, who, where we go already? Um, New Hampshire. So how, or, or Pittsburgh. You go to visit my grandparents in Pittsburgh. So how, how do you get there? How do you get anywhere? There's no, there's no ways. There's no Google Maps. There's no uh, GPS even. They didn't, have, they didn't have GPS. So, well, I didn't have GPS, yeah. So, you go to AAA. 
you get a triptych. So you go to some, some chacham over there in, in AAA, and they say, where are you going? I'm going to Pittsburgh. Wait a minute. They come back 25 minutes later with this booklet. And the booklet is highlighted. The road is highlighted with special stickers. You know, go here, go there, go there. And it's like 20 pages. And uh, so basically in the, in, the, in the ancient times, if you needed to get somewhere and you needed a ticket, you would go up a special ascent. It was a very narrow ascent. It only and there's some guru sitting on the top of the mountain who would give you the ticket. And this ascent only allowed people to go up one at a time. That's the second opinion. Rabbi Yehuda Amar Shmuel, Rabbi Yehuda Sadeim Shmuel, Kechayolos Shel Beis David, like the soldiers marching in David's army. In David's army, so the general would say, "You here, you there, you there," and they would march single file, and uh, the general would randomly or seemingly randomly order them to march in a certain order, and that's what it means. We stand before God on Rosh Hashanah Kivnei Marom. Got it? Three Perushim in Bnei Marom, either like sheep coming out of the pen or like those going up the ascent of Beis Maron, or like the soldiers in David's army. Okay. So here's the question, the million dollar question. And if you look in your booklets, ooh, I have to give you another sheet. This is my favorite sheet, okay? You want to give these out? There was once a great tzaddik by the name of Rabbi Yitzchak Blazer. Get your sheet. Take it. Hang it up in your windshield. Put it in your front window, on the refrigerator. Your wife said, who's this? I never heard of them. Rabbi Yitzchak Blazer, known as Rabbi Yitzchak Petterberg. Rabbi Yitzchak Petterberg. Rabbi Yitzchak Salanter had three primary disciples. Rabbi Yitzchak Petterberg, and Rabbi Naftali Amsterdam, and the author of Kelm, Rabbi Simcha Zisel Ziv. And Va'af Hu Shvacham, he would say their praise. He would say, the author of Kelm is a Chacham, he's a wise man. And Rav Naftali Amsterdam, he's a tzaddik. And Rav Yitzchel Petterberg was a lamdin. Now, you can imagine, because Rav Yitzchel Petterberg is known for his tzidkos, so you can imagine what kind of tzaddik Rav Naftali Amsterdam must have been if he is called a tzaddik. But Rav Yitzchel Petterberg, actually, the Chafetz Chaim writes in the Shmir's Halashon that it was the practice of Rav Yitzchel Blazer. Actually, I put it on the sheet over here. In... Um, actually in the Sefer Choyvas Hashmira, number 24, that during the Yomim Naram, says the Chavetz Chaim, it is appropriate for someone to curtail their speech, like we know about the great Goin and Sadik Rabbi Yitzchak Petterberg, the Abbezen of St. Petersburg, that from Rosh Chodesh Elul until Yom Kippur, he did not talk. He did not talk. Period. He didn't speak. I believe his wife had a baby girl. I mean, he had a baby girl. And he did say something to her. He said, Mazal Taiv. And those were the only two words he ever spoke between Rosh Chodesh Elo and Yom HaKippurim. Says the Chafetz Chaim, we might not be on the Madrega, but at least during the Asar Asimei Tshuva, one should not speak. Period. Chafetz Chaim writes, now, I think we could also say we're not quite on that madrega, but certainly it's worthy to think about how tzaddikim of not so long ago seriously uh, curtailed their diburim during this time of the year. And uh, one should, uh, when, when approaching these days, these Yom Naram, 
one of the things to focus on is uh, to be more circumspect in the words that we say. Okay, be it as it may, um, be it as it may, Rav Itzla Petterberg asked the following question. What, what's this Mishnah telling me? Now you would think, okay, the Mishnah is saying that in Rosh Hashanah, God doesn't take everybody and scan everybody simultaneously and take everyone's... Meaning, maybe what the Mishnah is saying is that you would think that God judges everyone together. Maybe God just looks at the whole Jewish people as one entity and then He stamps one gazera on everybody. And the Mishnah is saying, no, on Rosh Hashanah we walk before God like Mnei Maron individually. Says Rebetzal of course God doesn't ju- just ju- uh, judge everyone as one entity. Of course He judges us as individuals. It's obvious He judges everyone as individuals, not just as one uh, large mass. The Chiddush then of the Mishnah is that Hashem judges us on Rosh Hashanah one by one. You would think God scans everyone together. I mean, the Rebbe Hashem, He's as good as a scanner, no l'chayra. And just like a scanner could scan everything simultaneously and itemize it separately, so you would think that God scans everyone simultaneously and He itemizes everyone separately. And the answer is, He doesn't do that. First He does Beryl, and then Shmerel, and then Yankel, and then Fival, and then, and then uh, the, the next guy. If all the mission is telling me is that God judges us on Rosh Hashanah one by one by one, then all the Mishnah needed to do was Rosh Hashanah If all the Mishnah was saying is that God does not scan us together and itemize, but rather He does it one by one by one, the Mishnah could simply say that on Rosh Hashanah God, we pass before God we would not need a mashal we would not need a mashal to uh, explain this very sophisticated concept of one after another. We wouldn't need to bring in the sheep, we wouldn't need to bring in the soldiers of David's army, and we wouldn't need to bring in the ascent of Beis Maron. The mission could say simply, right? We know that the purpose, the function of a mashal is to explain a difficult concept. It does not seem to be a difficult concept that God judges us on Rosh Hashanah one by one by one. That's the first question. This is, you know, it's not rocket science. On Shabbos, I went to an Afruf, Rabbi Feynman made an Afruf, and Rabbi Feynman said, you know how people say, it's not rocket science? So he said, did you ever meet a rocket scientist? I said, actually, I never met a rocket scientist. He said, my brother-in-law, Rabbi Feynman's brother-in-law is a rocket scientist. So he said, you know, you have to be careful when you say it's not rocket science because there are, you know, rocket scientists out there. So, but the fact that we pass before God one after another, that is not rocket science. So why do I need three Mishalim? Moreover, ask Rabbi Tzolpetrug, why do I need three Mishalim? One Mandamar says like sheep. One Mandamar says like soldiers. One Mandamar says like the ascent of David's army. What is this all about? In other words, what is the point of the Mishnah with these Mishalim? Why do I need three Mishalim? And... Uh, the question is, what is the Mishnah trying, what is the nuance of difference between these three understandings of B'nai Maron? So let's get the following principle. The, the Gemara says in Masech Dor Hashanah, Dav Ches, Ki choyk Yisrael hu mishpat lelekei Yaakov. Says the Gemara, from this passage we learn out that when Hashem judges on Rosh Hashanah, 
First he judges the Melech of Klal Yisrael, and then he judges the rest of the people. Like the Pasuk says, Lasois Mishpat Avdoi or Mishpat Amoi. First God, Shlomo says, judges me, and then he judges the rest of the people. So the Gemara is telling us that on Rosh Hashanah, first Hashem judges the king, and then he judges everyone else. Why does, the, why does Hashem judge that way? So the Gemara says two reasons. Number one, it's not Derech for the king to wait outside while Hashem judges the people. And more importantly, says the Gemara, that if Hashem would judge the king last, by the time he would get to the king, he would be so blazing angry from all the sins that everybody did that he would be in a bad mood and therefore the Yavon Hashem would give the king a bad judgment. So Hashem judges the king before his anger is blazing hot. He wants to give the king a good judgment so he judges the king first when he's still in a good mood. Now what does this mean? What kind of mood is, does God have? God has good mood. It almost sounds like this is like a traffic court where if you, you know, if you have a traffic ticket, you get there early in the morning when the judge is caffeinated and donut, donut rated and he's in a good mood and he uh, still hasn't uh, gotten a call from his wife who's uh, abused him yet, right? So he's still, uh, he's still in a good mood. But later on in the day, when his caffeine wears off and his donuts wear off and his, uh, all, he's in a really bad mood, then uh, you, you want to defer that to a different day. So what, what the Rebbe Shalom conducts himself like a judge of Basar Vadam, what's the Gemara saying before God's in a good mood? Says Rav Peterberg. From this Gemara we learn out a, a, a fundamental principle in how God's judgment operates. Malchusa da'ara ke'in malchusa d'shmaya. God parallels the heavenly judgment to work and operate, it, operate like the earthly judgment. God conducts His court like an earthly court. And if in an earthly court, in the beginning of the day, the judge is in a good mood, and as the day wears off, his mood progressively becomes more grouchy, Kiviyachal, that is how the Yibam Shalom operates. This is not Ravitzla saying this, this is the Gemara. The Gemara clearly says that the earlier you are judged, the better off you are. It's not a matter of mitzvah sanaveros, it's not a matter of worthy or unworthy, it's a matter of the mood of the judge. Now why does God conduct His court like the, heavenly, like the earthly court? Why would God want to operate the uh, heavenly court like a judicial system down here in this world? The answer is because it is so important for us to relate to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in a real way. And the only way we could relate to Hashem as a judge is to envision it like an earthly system, which is the only system we know. And therefore God operates the heavenly court exactly like an earthly system. So it's probably not like a traffic uh, court, because that's, you know, like a kangaroo court. But, uh, it's, but it's like a real judicial system where the judge's mood, so to speak, does affect the outcome of the trial. And therefore, the Rebbe allows his acts as if he was being influenced by the earlier cases. That's what we see from the Gemara. That we see the Rebbe allows himself to be influenced by the decisions of the earlier cases. From this Gemara, we also learn another very important principle. Namely, it is critical to figure out how to get to the front of the line. How to get judged early. 
Because the earlier you're judged, the better off you are. You can have someone who's rotten to the core, who has every Avera in the book, and if they're judged early, they could get a favorable outcome. And you could have a guy who's a tzaddik nifla, but if he's going to be judged in the back end, watch out. So what, what is incumbent upon us to try to figure out, if we're smart, is how does one get an early judgment? How do you get to the front of the line? Many, most people, they wonder, how do they get to the front of the line? Matzai Pesach. You know, that's also an important line. You know, although that, that line, you don't want to get too early because you don't want a pie that was made at 1 p.m. in the afternoon. You know, you want to make sure that you're early but not too early. But this line is even more important because this, this line is life and death. This line affects our outcome for the upcoming year. And now Ravitzla Petterberg sort of takes us on a journey of trying to understand how the judgment of heaven actually operates. Take a look at number nine. The Gemara in Masachta Rosh Hashanah Adav Tazayin Amar Aleph Amar Beis Amar Rav Kruspadoi Amar Rav Yochanan. I want to thank when I was in coming out of eleventh grade. I don't know. I must have been seventeen years old. We learned this piece of Ravitzla Petterberg um, with a, a wonderful Rebbe of ours, Rabbi Eliyahu Meza Shlita. Uh, who taught us the Sefer Koich Ve'ar. And uh, this, this particular piece, I remember, made a big roshim on me when I was a teenager. And uh, I like to say it over, over quite often. The Gemara Masech Rosh Hashanah tells us that Rav Krispadoi said in the name of Rav Yochanan, there are three books open on Rosh Hashanah. One is of the completely righteous. One is of the completely wicked. And one of the benonim. Those who are righteous are written and sealed for immediate life. Those who are wicked are written and sealed for immediate death. And the Beinonim, Tluyin V'yoyimdim, they're suspended and standing from Hashanah to Yom Kippur. If they're Zoycha, they're written for life. If they're not Zoycha, they don't make it. That's the Gemara. I'm sure you heard that Gemara. That's probably the most famous Gemara associated with the din of Rosh Hashanah. So what exactly, who exactly are these Beinonim? What does it mean to be a tzaddik? What does it mean to be a rasha? So, the Gemara in Kedushin says that a person should always view themselves as if they're 50-50, and if they do one mitzvah, they tilt the scales, and if they do one avera, they tilt the scales. So presumably then, the benani on Rosh Hashanah is someone who has 50,672 averos and 50,700 52 mitzvahs, he's exactly equal. Benani is someone who's mamish equal. You know, it's, uh, it's the, the game is tied 7-7 in the bottom of the 12th inning. It's exactly equal. So then what's a tzaddik? Is a tzaddik someone who fasts six days a week and he learns 22 hours? No, a tzaddik is a guy, he has 50,000 mitzvahs and 49,999 averas. A tzaddik is someone who has one more mitzvah. And what's a rasha? Is a rasha a, a serial killer? No. A rasha, someone who has 49,999 mitzvahs and 50,000 averos. So benani is exactly equal. A tzaddik is someone who has one more mitzvah and a rasha is someone who has one more, one more avera. And therefore the Gemara seems to be saying if you're exactly equal, God suspends judgment until Yom Kippur. If you have more mitzvahs, you're going to be written and sealed immediately for life. 
Or if you have one more Avera, Chas V'Shalom, one is written and sealed immediately for death. And that's how the Rambam learns. The Rambam in Hilchas Tshuva, Paragimel, Halacha Gimel, explicitly writes that the way the judgment operates on Rosh Hashanah is as follows. That, there's, a, there's no Marav here, if anybody, the Marav's not going to be here. There, there's a share here until about 9.30. So um, the Rambam writes explicitly that the way the judgment of Rosh Hashanah works is that the... Uh, Benonim, if somebody's 50-50, their, their judgment is suspended. If you have one more mitzvah, you get life. If you have one more Avera, you get that. The Rambam says that it works that way. Comes the Ran, and the Ran asks one simple question on the, Ram, the Rambam. And that is, the Ran asks, look around the world. Don't we see many righteous people who have more mitzvahs than Averos, and they don't make it through the year? And we see many wicked people who have more Averos than Mitzvos, and they do make it through the year. So, how could you learn the Gemara that Benoni is someone who is a 50-50, and a Tzaddik is someone with one more Mitzvah, and a Rasha is someone with one more Avera? Just look around the world and you'll see that it is certainly not true that everybody who lives was a Tzaddik, and everyone who doesn't live was a Rasha. And therefore, the, Ram, the Ran learns the Gemara completely different than the Rambam. The Ran learns the Gemara that Sadik does not mean someone who has more mitzvahs than Averos. Sadik means he's a Sadik Bedin. And Russia means there are Russia Bedin. What does it mean to be a Sadik Bedin? Sadik Bedin means here's you have a guy, he has 10 mitzvahs and 2,000 Averos. But God said, Mitzvah number 7, I really like it. That's a nice mitzvah. That was a beautiful mitzvah. That's a zisa, very, it gives me a lot of nachas, that mitzvah. You're going to live. I'm going to define you as a tzaddik. You're going to live this year. Anyone who lives is a tzaddik. Not anyone who lives has more mitzvahs than averos. Tzaddik means tzaddik bedin. And rasha means, here you could have a guy who has two million mitzvahs and three averos. God says, I don't like that avera. You shouldn't have done that. And... I'm going to take you away from this world because of that Avera. So upstairs you're going to be a tzaddik. You're definitely going to be a tzaddik. The thing is, down here in this world, you will be a Rasha Bedin. You will, not, you will be convicted in Din. So upstairs, everyone agrees. The Rambam and the Ran agree. There's a very simple procedure after 120. The Riban Sham goes ahead and he weighs your mitzvahs and Averos. If you have more mitzvahs and Averos, Ganeden. Moraveros and mitzvos, Gehenim. 50-50, the Gemara says God throws you a bone and you go to Ganeden. But that's Lacharmeyav Esam Shana. What about on Rosh Hashanah? Tzmachloikis, Rambam and Ramban. Rambam says the way it works after 120, it works th- that way every year on Rosh Hashanah. The Ran says no, it doesn't work that way in this world. In this world, God has a mysterious ways, so to speak. Sometimes a person can have more mitzvahs than Averos, but there'll be a Rasha Bedin. Sometimes a person can have more Averos than mitzvahs, he could be a Tzaddik Bedin. Tzaddik and Rasha don't mean more mitzvahs or less mitzvahs, it means the outcome of what the Rebbe Hashem decides. How will the Rambam answer the Ran's Kasha? Does every guy who live, is he a Tzaddik? Does every person who, die, who dies, is a, are they a Rasha? Don't we see righteous people who die? Don't we see wicked people who live? Says Ravitz Lepetterberg, the Rambam would say as follows. 
There definitely are exceptions. But in the vast majority of cases, that's how it works. People who have more mitzvahs than averas, they live. People who have more averas than mitzvahs, they don't live. Now we can never say about it, but certainly there are exceptions to the rule. There are exceptions. But we have to be mamin, that the general way the din works is mitzvahs and averas are weighed. Now, nobody could ever say about any individual, oh, I know, they live because they're a tzaddik, or they died because they're not a tzaddik. Nobody knows, because there are always exceptions. But the Rambam would say the general way that the din works is such that um, it works that uh, based on the majority. So, so far we're learning there are two ways the din operates. It can operate based on brute strength, you want a good year? You earn it. Somebody who doesn't, doesn't merit a good year, they also earned it. Then there's another way, where there are certain mitzvahs that find favor in the eyes of Hashem, that even though they won't outweigh one's demerit, Hashem particularly likes them, and He'll give a person a good year based on those mitzvahs. And then Rav says there's a third system of judgment. And that is what the Rebbe Hashem was asked by Moshe Rabbeinu. Remember, Hakadosh Baruch Hu, Moshe Rabbeinu asked Hashem, "Haydieni Hashem esturachecha, Hashem, teach me your ways." What did the Rebbe What did Moshe Rabbeinu mean? Teach me your ways. So the Gemara says in Brachos, you have it on the sheet over here, uh, number twenty-one. Moshe Rabbeinu was asked, "Hakadosh Baruch Hu, Haydieni Hashem esturachecha." Sadik Viraloi Rashabatava. Sometimes there's a perfectly righteous Sadik who has no sin and they could suffer. Sometimes you could have a Rasha Marusha has no redeeming quality and they could be successful. And Moshe Rabbeinu said, God, I want to understand that. Now Moshe wasn't saying I want to understand the Ran. Why is it sometimes that a guy could have a few good mitzvahs and you'll favor them because of that, that Moshe understood. Moshe didn't say, why is it that you could have a tzaddik with a few averos and you punish them because of that, that Moshe understood. What Moshe didn't understand is there's a phenomenon that somebody could be a perfect rasha and prosper or a perfect tzaddik and suffer. And Hashem told Moshe, you'll never understand that one. That, that's beyond human understanding. So basically, there are three ways judgment can operate. One is analytics. God punches the numbers, you know, he weighs everything, he puts everything into the system. Okay, this guy, he's 72.28, this guy's 63.37, that guy's 51.49. That's an easy, that's the Rambam system. Then you have the Ran system. The Ran system is, you know, like the Rebbe, he marks on a curb, he has a neat handwriting, so he'll get a few extra points. This guy, you know... It, there's a, there's a method to the madness, so to speak. In other words, it's not purely analytical. You know, like, I don't know what baseball is, but they, they once told me there's a sport in America, so you have a big machloikas. Again, I don't know about this either, but somebody told me, in baseball, should you go just by the numbers? You have some managers, they open up this big loose leaf with, pay, with, with numbers and pages and, and statistics. This pitcher, when he throws a strike, uh, a fastball against this hitter, he was left-handed, he had everything spelled to it. And then some manager are a little bit more intuitive. They're more instinctive, you know? So it's not an exact science. So, Lahavdil, 
there are two ways of the judgment. You have the Rambam system, where it's an exact science, or you have the Ran system, where uh, there's, uh, there's sort of a method, but it's not an exact science. And then you have uh, this arbitrary way, to us, a random way that human beings have no understanding of. Says Rav Itzla Petterberg, these three types of systems are actually three ways as well how to get to the front of the line and the judgment of Rosh Hashanah and the three Meshalim given by the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah. What Kivnei Maron means? Does it mean like sheep? Does it mean like getting going up the mountain to get the triptych? Or does it mean the soldiers in David's army? These are three ways of how to get to the front of the line. In other words, says Rav Yitzchel the Mishnah is not saying that God judges us as individuals on Rosh Hashanah. Of course He judges us as individuals. Nobody would ever say He judges us in one lump mass. The Mishnah is not even coming to say that we pass before God one by one. Of course we pass for God one by one. Otherwise Hashem would be upset. If, if Hashem would judge everyone, scan everyone simultaneously and itemize, the Hashem would be angry, so to speak, because all of the Averos come before Him simultaneously. The point of the Mishnah is God judges us one by one through a method of who goes first, who goes second, and who goes last. And the three Amoraim who disagree as to what it means, Kivnei Maron, are giving us different interpretations of how to get to the front of the line. There are three ways to get to the front of the line. Way number one is earn it. Way number two is there might be some specific type of merit that God particularly likes that He'll favor you to put you at the front of the line. And then the third manner, it's random. It's luck of the draw. And let's dissect these three mashalim. Mashal number one. Back to you farmers, you shepherds out there. I heard in North Woodman, there are a lot of shepherds, no? Cedarhurst, not so many. Shraga, what do you say? No? Really? I don't know who told that. Okay, fine. I'll go back to my reporter. You don't know. I'm, not, I'm, joking. I'm totally joking. Even though last week we learned you only joke in the beginning of the share and at the end of the share, and not in the middle of the share, but, you know, once in a while. Every segment is like a new segment, so you could... Okay, so basically like this. If you're a shepherd and you open up the corral, bah, you know, all, the, all, all of a sudden they're all, they see, they see like the Lahavda, the running back, he sees the open field, so the sheep, the sheep he sees. <laughs> Before Elo, I have to get out all the, all the goblins, you know. But um, he, he sees the open corral, which sheep is going out first? The strongest sheep. The sheep with the big bicep, the big muscles. He's going to mosey his way down. He's going to elbow out. He's going to box out all the other sheep. And all the shvacha sheep. The sheep that when you see him on the shelf with the lamb chop, you say, that looks like a juicy sheep. That sheep is coming out first. That, it's the stronger sheep. That indicates that one way to get to the front of the line is like the Rambam. You know how you get to the front of the line? Have more mitzvahs than averos. If you have more mitzvahs than averos, you'll be like the strong sheep, and God will put you at the front of the line. We know 
By the way, if you look in, uh, take a look at number 14, it says, Listen up to me, you strong-hearted ones who are distant from tzedakah. That refers to tzaddikim, who are called strong. Why are they strong? Because God doesn't have to give them charity, they earn their parnasa. They're strong. Tzaddikim are strong, as opposed to Rishoyim is, Be'ata... Um, the Rishonim are weak. They're very weak. They're oyev. They're yogeya. So here, here we have a great eight. So you know how you're going to get to the front of the line, Ira. You deserve it. You make sure you have more mitzvahs than averos. Say, Rabbi, that's the worst advice that I could possibly have heard right before Chodesh Elul. Understand? All of a sudden, a guy's going to wake up in the 11th hour, right? We're holding right now Chav Zayin Tamuz. Well, what's today? Now it's Chav Ches already tonight. It's already, it's almost Elul. It's already after the Samar Rebbe's Yartzeit even, right? It's, it's, it's Chav Ches Tamuz. It's Chav Ches Av, I mean. Chav Ches Av. And here it is. We, we're coming on Elul. We say, oh, you're now going to get to the front of the line? You're going to do more mitzvahs and averos. How are you going to accomplish that in three days while the last 11 months, who knows what, what, the, what the guy's been doing? So this is really a poor piece of advice. You know, if you would tell somebody in the beginning of the year, make sure by the end of the year you have more mitzvahs and averos, okay, that might be a reasonable suggestion. But in the 11th hour, when the clock is about to strike 12, you can tell somebody you have more mitzvahs and averos. Now, what's supposed to stay up all night learning for the next three nights so we have more mitzvahs and averos? It's too late for that. You know, that's not a good etza. So the sheep mashal, it's a very good mashal, and it's true. The stronger people, the people with more mitzvahs, get to the front of the line, but it's not a practical in the 11th hour. Let's talk about the third eight, the third mashal, the soldiers in David's army. So David HaMelech would say, Hey you, you're first, you, you're second, you, you're third. What was that based on? Uh, nobody knows. Even the general, you could ask the general, why did you do that? he would have to go through months of therapy to bring out what his cheshboinos were and why he said, you, 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 you. In other words, it's almost not detectable to a human seichel. So why the Rebbein has certain ways that he favors certain people, we have no idea. We're not privy to that information. So yes, there might be a guy who the Rebbein wants to give a good year, so we'll put him on the front of the line, even though he's not deserving. Or vice versa, there might be someone Hashem wants to challenge, and he could throw him to the back. But we can't tell, we have nothing practical to tell somebody, okay, get to the, lo- the front of the line, you know how? Luck of the draw. Okay, so what do I do? We, have, we, we don't have any practical suggestions. But here's where the triptych comes in. I knew there was a reason why I once went to triptych. But the truth is, this is true in any line. You could use this to the Matzah Shabbos pizza store. You could use this to the line in the bank. What's also a good, you know, some people, I don't know why, they want to torture their family, so they take them on Chalamoid to uh, Six Flags, right? So they wait online for two and a half hours to risk a lifetime of brain injury from being shaken up and down for... Uh, the course of 97 seconds, you know? I remember one time in Chalamai, I went there, and after an hour and 45 minutes, no, I said, we're not, I'm, I will not continue to wait on this line, and I waved, I went back all the way around, and I told everyone, this is not happening. That was the best decision, one of the best decisions I have ever made. Anyway, bottom line is, 
Um, the bottom line is, who gets the triptych? When they go up to the Malos Base Maron, who gets the ticket first? The strong guy? No. Random? No. You know who gets the ticket? You know who's going to get the triptych? You know who gets the pizza Matzah Shabbos? You know who's going to get on the roller coaster in Six Flags? First come, first serve. Whoever gets there first, period. The guy who woke up early in the morning, and he packed his bags, and the second diving was over, and he made sure he was ready in the car during the Chazor Sashats of Shachris, even though it's Cholomoy, and he made sure to be there as he, he actually camped out from already from Matzah Yom Kippur. He's waiting there eight days from Matzah Yom Kippur. He put a sukkah at the entrance of Great Adventures so that he could get... Basically, it's first come, first serve. You know who gets the triptych? First come, first serve. Whoever gets there first. Says of Itzel this is the system of the Ran. The Ran says that, that there is a system of judgment where even if somebody does not have more mitzvahs than Averos, there, there might be a particular mitzvah that God favors, and Hashem says, oh, you have this mitzvah, I'm going to give you a better judgment. So what we want to discover is, what is that mysterious zuchus for the judgment of Rosh Hashanah that God will say, I like that zuchus so much, I will give you a favorable spot on the line. And Rav Yitzchak says, that since this is all about attaining Racha Meshemayim, Hashem's mercy, what type of attitude and preparation for the din will achieve more mercy from HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Says Rav Itzla, the more one is afraid of the din, the more one is scared of the din, the more Rachamim one engenders from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You know, we once said over from Aaron Cutler, an amazing thing, it's such a powerful idea. You know, the Rishonim tell us the following remez. Aryeh shag mila yira. When the lion roars, who's not afraid? Aryeh stands for Elul, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Hashanah Rabbah. Question is Elul, Elul, what happens in Elul? Nothing happens in Elul. Rosh Hashanah, I understand, there's judgment. Yom Kippur, there's judgment. Hashanah Rabbah, there's judgment. What do you mean Elul? Nothing happens in the month of Elul. There's nothing taking place in the month of Elul. Says of Aaron Cutler, he brings from earlier sources, something happens on Rosh Chodesh Elul. In a way, what happens on Rosh Chodesh Elul is the most frightening of the entire process. You know what the most frightening part of, of the judicial system is? Getting the summons in the mail. That's like, you know, a person is, is frozen, is pachad noira, not knowing the impediment. Once they're in court already, they're there, you know, their heart is racing, but they sort of now, they knew what was coming. But getting the summons, that's the biggest pachad noira. Rav Aaron says, Rosh Elul, the summons comes in the mail. Show up in 30, show up to court in 30 days. That's the pachad pachadim. You know what engenders the most rachamim? When a person's scared of the din. And it's, it's not like the Yerushalayim wants us to be scared. And how do you demonstrate taking the din seriously? Well, the same way if somebody had to show up to an earthly court. 
he would arrange his arguments, he would hire an attorney, he would prepare his case, he would make sure that he would present himself in the best possible way. The biggest zechus, even if somebody sinned the whole year, but the the zechus that will find specific favor in the eyes of Hashem, that Hashem will say, you know, I like that zechus, I will put you early on in the line because of the zechus, that zechus is... Says of itself, if we could identify the schus, that would be amazing because in the eleventh hour, it's not like we could do more mitzvahs than averos, and the 11th, we have no way to figure out how to randomly get to the front of the line. But if somehow we could identify the special schus that will find favor in the eyes of Hashem, that Hashem will place us early on in the line, that will really be a windfall. That schus is first come, first serve. The earlier you start preparing, when you hear that shofar blow. As soon as you start getting your act together and say, well, wait a second, uh, in 30 days, Hashem is going to decide my health, my family, my life. Uh, you know, I got to get myself together. Yeah, uh, you know, otherwise, during the course of the year, we ask, oh, do I dive in? Yeah, 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 I dive with a minion. What time do you get there? Uh, you know, enough time to say, to, you know, say, Olenu. <laughs> But when a person realizes that, okay, you know, the, the judgment is coming, they get themselves together on a completely different level. It's a much higher level scrutiny. And the sooner we start preparing from Rosh Chodesh Elul, the better spot we get online, because when it comes to the din, it's first come, first serve. The sooner you prepare, the earlier you position yourself on the line, the better the outcome will be. So you say, Rabbi Gladstein, but I'm sure there are other people who learned to say for Kaych Ve'ar, and they know that a way to get to the front of the line is to prepare at the beginning of Chodesh Elul. So they're going to be like, they're after, you know, now they're going to be, especially the people listening, they're going to be like 10,000 people getting onto the, the front of the line, you know. So now, what are you, you know, you're not doing me any You should have told me this privately. I'm trying to get ahead of the next guy. Because Ravitz Lepetzberg says, that uh, it says in one sin could cause a great detriment. Which means, every earlier spot you are in the line spells all the difference in the world. Because if I could get ahead of just one person's sins, God will be in so much better of a mood. So that's why I'm here tonight, to give you the inside scoop. Because there might be some people that know that as soon as Rosh Chodesh Elul comes, they're going to start getting their act together, they're going to start doing tshuva, and there are going to be so many people early on in the line. It's like all the people who camped out in great adventures, so even though you spent the night there, you're still going to wait online for two and a half hours. So here's the inside scoop, but don't tell anybody else. Because there's an amazing comment of the Ben La'ashri on Parshas Re'e. Ben La'ashri, of course, is the Tzaddik of Ranana, Rabbi Yitzchak HaKoyin Hoberman, who writes, he was not uh, blessed with children, and he says, anyone who says over his Devei Torah in his name, he will pray for them and bail them out of any trouble in this world or the next world. So hopefully that works, but his Eitzah certainly will be life-saving. And that is, please take a look at number 26. The Pasuk says in the parsha, Ki'im But only to the place 
that Hashem your God chooses, Mikol Shivtechem, from all your tribes, Lassam Hashem Aisham, to put His name there. Lashich Naisidrashu Vas Hashem. Literally, to his, to his Mishkan, to his Beis HaMikdash, you should seek out and come there. So it's a very simple Pasuk. Don't bring Karbanas in your backyard. Don't get your grill going, and while your kids are jumping on a trampoline, bring Karbanas in, on your Bama. No. Bring it to the Mikdash. But it says the Tzadik Ranana homiletically, Shichnai Kamin L'Shichnai, to the neighbor. Everybody's getting ready for, for Rosh Hashanah in Chaydesh Elul. Thing is, we want to get to the front of the line. L'shichnai, the neighbor of Elul, Tidrushu, seek out Hashem, uvas Hashama, then you'll get a nice spot on the line. If you already begin to do tshuva, not in Chaydesh Elul, but L'shichnai, in the neighbor of Elul, in the friend of Elul, the month of Av, as Ram Gamliel Rebunavitch brings, Av is Rosh Hashitevah, Elul Ba, Elul is coming. So then, you could be sure, then you're going to get a good spot in the line. So the Parshas Re'eh, which we read right before Chodesh Elul, it's given us the inside scoop, because the judgment of Rosh Hashanah is dependent on one's position and location in the line. Because when it comes to the din of Rosh Hashanah, Rabbi Isai, it's location, location, location. And you want to get a good spot, because the earlier you are on the line, the better mood the judge is going to be in. So you want to make sure you're there before the court opens in the morning. So even before that summon comes in the mail on Rosh Chodesh Elul, you ready to start preparing in Chodesh Av. People are still vacationing. They say, you know, Labor Day is not for a while. It's still the summer. You know, it's Olympics. No, no, no. That's when you have to start doing tshuva now. Beat the Elul rush. And then that will ensure you get a good spot on the line. And Be'ezus Hashem, we should all be zoicha to Hashnas, Ksiva v'chasima toiva, of good health, Yeshua s'nachamais, lanu u'lechol Yisrael, amen. Shkayach. Just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.